0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Good morning, everybody. If you want to just turn with me over to uh, Acts, we're going chapter one this morning. We're continuing on with the story the series. Uh, we're in week 28. If, if you're unfamiliar with the story, it is the, uh, it's the, the Bible, but it's it's been um, broken into different chapters. They've taken out the the verses and, and chapter references in there and made it one continuous story. Along with that, they've also taken out some of the genealogies, the Levitical laws, those kinds of things. Is try to condense it to make it the Bible one continuous story in 31 chapters. So we're in week uh, 28, chapter 28. We're almost we're on the home stretch to finish up. And uh, it's some really good stuff ahead of us here. So as you're turning there, let us uh, pray and uh, ask the Lord's help as we dig into his Word. So Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for the gift of life. Jesus, thank you that you have made a way for us to celebrate all that you have done. Jesus, your death and resurrection 2,000 years ago is still affecting and changing our lives this morning. And so, God, for us to recount all the things that you have done, Lord Jesus, is a joy because you've done so much in our lives. Jesus, you have, you have transformed us, you have changed us, you have brought us into your family, you've called us by your name, you've filled us with your Holy Spirit, and you've put us into a family, a body. You call your own. So Jesus, we ask this morning as we, as we open your word, your, your holy scriptures, that you would continue to speak and transform and, and give us faith to receive your word with full hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, <clears throat> I, don't, I was sick last week, right, so I woke up at three o'clock in the morning last Saturday, and my stomach was in knots. And I, I, I held it together for about three hours. And then at about 6 o'clock in the morning, it was all over. And so I, I texted some of the guys here at 6 30 in the morning saying, Look, I'm not going to be at church today. You don't want me to be there. So you're going to have to do something because I'm off for the count, you know? And uh, I heard it was a fantastic week last week. So um, they fired me. No, I was kidding. <laughs> So I heard it was a great week to some good testimonies. I just love love hearing about that. So it just it does my heart so good to hear the work of the Lord continues on. It, it goes forth. It's it's not contingent on me in any way, and that's the way that it should be. Because the word of God isn't contingent on any one person. It's it's the people of God who bring God's word forth that that God is in in what God is doing all the time. So man Amen. I, I love that. I love to hear about that. Uh, the Lord took me out so that could happen. It's funny. I was reflecting on just my message that I had ready for last week, and before Sunday even hit, I was just—I wasn't real happy with my message. I felt like this was such an important passage of Scripture for our church. This the the Acts, the first couple of chapters of Acts. This is so crucial for our church and. I just wasn't that happy with, with the passage. And so thinking about it, I thought, man, the the Lord might have just taken me out <laughs> to give me another week to work on this thing. So, but I thought the Lord loves his church that much that he would remove me for a week and then he loves me that much as well because he knows like, hey, this is so important for this church and for us to get a hold of that he wouldn't allow something that's less than all that he has for us to To come forth, so I I, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that the Lord took me out. So give me another week to work on this thing. All right, let's let's get moving here. So two weeks ago we celebrated the resurrection, and it's a it's a joyful moment. Jesus is alive. He has defeated sin and Satan and death. He he stands in victory over the all the forces that would try to prevail against him. And now we look forward and say. Okay, now what? Right, you've, you've conquered death, you've, you've died on the cross, you've accomplished redemption, now you've risen from the dead, and we're sitting around thinking to ourselves, okay, what's going to happen next? You can imagine the disciples wondering, okay, what's the next move? What's going to happen? Jesus Christ, he's accomplished everything that he said he was going to accomplish. Now, taking a step back, if you remember as we, we went through the Gospel of Luke, and, and we've talked about in the story a little bit about the different parables of Jesus Christ. And Jesus uses a few different pictures and stories to describe the way in which the kingdom or God's purposes, God's reign, God's, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, how it's going to affect the world around it. And one of the, the parables he uses is a parable of leaven and dough. And so he says there is a woman who is who's making this huge mixture of, of, of bread, and so she's working in the dough, and she puts leaven into the dough. And once this little bit of leaven gets into this huge lump of dough, it completely affects every aspect of the dough. You can't separate the leaven out from the dough. It, it works its way into every little part of the dough and affects the whole lump of, of dough. So that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a little bit of leaven put into a huge clump of dough, and it completely saturates and works its way into every aspect of this dough. He also uses a parable of a mustard seed. And he says, look, this mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds possible, and when it's planted, it grows up to be an enormous tree. So much so that the birds of the air have a place to to call home, it provides shade, it's all these things, but this very small, minute thing becomes this great, big tree. So he said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It starts small, and then grows to become this massive tree. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to describe the kingdom of God and the reign and rule of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, his, his gospel, his power, his message. He said he describes it like a seed again. He said, but this time the farmer goes and plants the seed into the ground and then he walks away from the seed. And he does nothing to provide for the seed and it grows all on its own. He doesn't have to come alongside the seed and, and coach the seed how to grow. He doesn't have to do anything else to the seed. The seed has life in itself. There's a growing, there's an expansion There's a production of fruit. There's a harvest that comes from this seed apart from what the farmer has to do for the seed. It grows all on its own. It has a life in itself. And that's the power of the seed. He said, the kingdom of God is like that. Now, we've read those parables, and up until this point, we're kind of wondering, okay, what does that look like in real life? I mean, those are good pictures. We we understand the, the principles behind it. The, the growing seed, the great big tree, the, the leaven and the dough. I mean, that makes sense in our minds. But what does that look like in, the, in, in real life? What does that look like for God's purposes in real life? This morning, as we begin to, to look into Acts chapter 1 and 2 particularly, we're begin to see, we will begin to see these parables come to fruition in the daily lives of the disciples. So we're going to see these things take place before our very eyes. You want to know what these parables look like? It looks like what we're going to read this morning. That's what these parables look like. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts is written by uh, Luke, who we, we went through that a, um, a year or two ago. We went through the Gospel of Luke. This is, you could consider this Luke's second volume. So the first volume is what Jesus Christ has done. The the, second, the first volume is what Jesus Christ has done. The second volume is what Jesus Christ is continuing to do through his disciples. So the ministry of Jesus Christ continues on. It isn't stopped with the end of, with the end of Luke. It continues on in the book of Acts because Jesus Christ is still at work. He's still ministering, caring, and, and going forth. So this morning, as we look into Acts chapters 1 and 2, we're going to see two things. We're going to see the message that we're given, and the mission that He sends us on. So we're going to look at the message and the mission. So beginning now, in Acts chapter one, we're going to read verses one through eleven. Or if you have your storybooks, it's page three eighty-nine to three ninety. In my former book Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, till the day that He was taken up into heaven. "'After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit "'to the apostles he had chosen. "'After his suffering, he presented himself to them "'and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. "'He appeared to them over a period of 40 days "'and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. "'On one occasion, while he was eating with them, "'he gave them this command, "'Do not leave Jerusalem.'" But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid Him from their sight. In in these brief few verses, we are given the promise, right? What is the promise? Jesus is promising the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit was going to be given to them. He said, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples gather around Jesus and say, great. When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had completely missed the point. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're, Jesus is talking about this, this idea that I'm going to send power upon you. I'm going to send you out to the nations. And they're like, great, when's it going to come back to us now? I mean, after all that's been said and done, their understanding of the power of God and the mission of God had to do everything with themselves. It's like, oh, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, but what about us? Hey, we get all this other great stuff that you're calling us to, but our main concern is for our own welfare completely missed it and jesus clarifies what this means he says look in not so many words that's not what i'm talking about you guys are completely missing the point here he says it's for the power of the spirit for the proclamation of the gospel look there's going to be a power of the spirit that's going to come upon you and it's for a purpose It's not for yourselves. It's not for your own welfare. It's not for your own own good news for yourselves. It's not for a geopolitical establishment. It's not for a political party. says, that's not what I'm talking about at all. See, we're given a message to proclaim. And this message is a proclamation of a person. We're not peddling a product. This is a proclamation of a person. You're going to be my witnesses. This is not about some kind of product we're trying to push on people. This isn't about gr- church growth strategies. It's not about better marriages. It's not about getting your finances in order. It's not about how to be better parents. What he's talking about here is a proclamation of a person. It's Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Then he gives them the mission. So where is our mission Everywhere. That's the mission. Everywhere. Every person. The mission has gone out to every person. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's everybody. We are to be witnesses to Jesus Christ everywhere we go. See, this this is only a continuation. If you remember back, we've gone through this story now for, for 28 weeks. Genesis chapter 12 verses one through three, right? God appears to Abraham. And what does he tell Abraham? He says, look, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to the whole earth, that all the nations of the world will be blessed through your offspring. That's the goal, is all the nations. They would hear about Almighty God That God would come and bring his presence amongst his people in such a way that all the nations of the world would be affected by the very presence and person of God amongst and dwelling in his people. This is a continuation of the very thing that God initiated back in Genesis chapter 12. This isn't something, this isn't like a new program. This isn't like a new thing that God's doing. This is the very thing that God's been doing. This is a continuation of the very same thing that God was talking about back in Genesis with Abraham. This is a continuation of what God has always been doing. God's purposes are for the nations. God's purposes is that his name would be proclaimed to all people. Not a geopolitical establishment in Israel. It's that his gospel, his good news, would go out to everybody. That's always been in the heart of God from the very beginning. And this is only a continuation of that same thing. Let's continue the story. Let's turn over now to um, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 24. If you've got your, your story, it's 390. 390. There were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So all the nations are gathered in. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our native language, Parthenians, Medes, and Amalites? Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Pyphigra, Pamphylia, Egypt and in, in the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep him in its hold. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom our Lord God will call. The promise in Acts chapter 1 of the Spirit. Now we see the proclamation in Acts chapter 2. See, the prophetic message, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit in the proclamation of who Jesus Christ is, is happening in Acts chapter 2. This promise in chapter 1 is coming to fruition, is coming to place in Acts chapter 2. It wasn't a long wait for this, the fulfillment of this promise. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out for a reason and for a purpose the prophetic message of Jesus Christ, that all the nations would hear who he is. is coming to being. This is what Jesus Christ was talking about, and it's an immediate seeding of the nations taking place. There's people gathered from all the places on the earth, there to celebrate the festival, and they begin to hear the name of Jesus Christ being proclaimed, in all these languages. Man, it it must be beautiful. Jesus Christ being proclaimed amongst the nations. Now, what I love about this section is, who does God use to proclaim who he is? It's been six weeks since Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It's been only six short weeks. Now, if you remember back six weeks, the disciples blew it. Completely blew it. They, they turned their backs on Jesus. They denied Jesus. At his moment of his arrest, they don't stick up to stand up for Jesus. What do they do? They take off running as fast as they possibly can. There's nothing in them six weeks ago that wanted to stand up for Jesus. They were all too scared and too afraid and too timid, too concerned with their own well-being to even stand with Jesus in his moment of greatest need here on earth. They all completely abandoned Jesus. They're uneducated, they're weak, they're timid. What I love about this is that the power of God did not depend upon their education or even their boldness. See, I can relate to these disciples when I think about my own life and the opportunities that I have missed, the, the 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 chances that God has given me to proclaim his name in different situations, and the the opportunity God's given me is okay, now's your chance to speak up, and I've I've gone quiet. I've been too timid. I've made excuses why it wasn't a good time or it didn't work out, or whatever reason. I can relate to these disciples, and the good news for me and the good news for us is this that God isn't done with us yet. That God can use these timid, weak, uneducated, poor disciples to declare the glory and the majesty of all that Jesus Christ is. It wasn't dependent upon how great they were. God used them in a powerful way. What was the message? It was to proclaim a person. What's the mission? It's everyone. It's everyone. It's everyone. So we have in Acts chapter 1 and 2 this glorious picture of the church exploding. Thousands of people coming to Christ. Church growing, thriving, people sharing with one another. Man, it is a beautiful picture of all that God is doing. It is those parables coming into, into to fullness we begin to see what that looks like. There, there's an explosion of the gospel. I love this. When, I was, when, when Brian Hogorfe and I had the opportunity to go to Africa to, to hang out with Silent and work alongside him for two weeks a couple years ago, I felt like what I saw then in Zimbabwe and the different parts of the, the country there was the book of Acts in real life. There was an explosion of the gospel. It could not be contained. Churches that were being planted and starting all over the place. And it wasn't some kind of church growth strategy. It just happened to be that people were sharing with other people the good news of Jesus Christ. They were getting saved. Their neighbors are also hearing about Jesus Christ. And churches began to pop up all over the place. They're they're at this place, this far remote place down by uh, Mozambique. And they happen to bring the good news of Jesus Christ over this river that separated the countries, and churches began to get planted in Mozambique. They, they, that was, it, was uncont- it was unplanned. And the same thing we see here. It's the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ amongst ordinary, plain people who also happen to be the people who are weak and timid. God used them for his glory. Man, this is good news for me. Because I'm weak and timid. I've blown it so many times. I can relate to Peter. Man, this guy blew it over and over and over again. And God was relentless with him. Pursued him. Loved him. Restored him. And brought him back to himself. It's, it is amazing. So, what happens further on in Acts? We get to Acts chapter 8. What happens in Acts chapter 8, I just want to read one verse. On that day, Acts 8 verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. See, man, things were going great. But the believers there still, man, this is really good for us. And we're glad that all these people came in to us for this festival and they heard about Jesus Christ and then they all went back to their homes, but this church in Jerusalem that was exploding and growing and was dynamic, man, it was great, but guess what? They weren't going out. They stuck around. I mean, hey, this is really good for us. I mean, we've got this same tendency, right? This good news of Jesus Christ, man, it's good for us. It is good news for us, and we love it, and we revel in it, we enjoy it, We we experience the the forgiveness and goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. Man, that is a good thing. But then what happens is we keep it all to ourselves. Hey, if you want to come into us and hear about the good news, great. We'll tell you about it, then you can go back to your house. But we're gonna stay where we're at. We're staying put. We're not going anywhere. So what does God do? Well, we get to Acts chapter one. Because God's purposes are still going to prevail. In spite of the church's inaction in going out, God says, look, my plan will prevail. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And what happens? And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and, and Samaria. There is a persecution that comes, and what happens? There is a scattering. There is a scattering that takes place. The seeds of the gospel are scattered throughout All the regions. The good news of Jesus Christ will go forth. Does the message change? No, the message doesn't change. The message is still the same. We proclaim a person. Does the mission change? No, the the mission doesn't change either. It's still all people. It's always been this way. The message and the mission are always the same. It's the same for the disciples then. It's the same for us today. The message and the mission are always going to be the same. Proclaim Jesus Christ to everybody. That's what he's called us to. And here's the thing with this message and mission. It's kind of like glitter, all right? I got a little bit of glitter here. It's kind of like glitter. Now, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, so I am familiar with glitter, And for those of you who do not have a 10-year-old daughter, let me tell you a little bit about glitter. Glitter is indestructible, okay? It never goes away. This glitter has probably been around for thousands of years, and they happen to put it in a bottle. Now, if you were to burn this building down, and there was glitter in the building the glitter would still be here. Nothing else would be, but the firemen would come around and say, they had glitter in the building because it's still here. Not only that, but it sticks to everything. Once it kind of gets on you, it doesn't ever really get off. And so the message in the mission is kind of like glitter. And what God does with his message and mission is he uses persecution. And we see this in Acts. He uses persecution to spread the message of Jesus Christ. That's the book of Acts. It's the, it's the message of Jesus Christ continuing to go out and go out and go out. It never stays where it's at, it's like glitter. Okay? So, this is how God uses persecution. He takes it, and he takes this beautiful glitter of his message, and he uses it, and he uses it to spread everywhere. Now, here's the thing. It seeps into everything that it comes in contact with. It, the, the message of Jesus Christ, it, it's not content to stay where it's at. It begins to seep into everything. It gets on your clothes. It gets in the carpeting. It goes all over the place. I mean, this is what happens with the message of Jesus Christ's message and mission. It doesn't go away. This glitter will be here forever. We'll vacuum, and it still will be here. That's the same thing with Jesus Christ and his message and mission. That's what he's calling us to, because as this takes place, it begins to seep in, in effect, everywhere that it goes. You can't get it off you, you can't get it away from you. It will follow you, it will be with you, it will stick on you. That's what Jesus Christ has done through the Holy Spirit. He's promised that this message will bear fruit. That of all the messages we can bring to people, better finances, better family, better home life, better jobs, whatever. He says, look, he hasn't promised those to prosper. He has promised this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear fruit like that seed that the farmer doesn't have to keep checking up on. It grows in itself. It has life in itself. It has the power in itself to grow and produce fruit. The same thing with this gospel. It bears fruit, even apart from you and I. This gospel is powerful. This message we bring is powerful, and it's for all people. It is for everybody, just like that glitter. It, once it gets on you, it goes, it travels. Wherever you're going, that glitter is going to go too. It's always going to be around. And what persecution does is it tries to destroy the message of Jesus Christ, and it never possibly can because it, even though it scatters the message, man, that message goes, and it continues to travel. That's why we are here this morning, right? Those believers in Jerusalem who then brought the message to Judea and Samaria and brought brought that message to the various churches in in Antioch and then they they sent missionaries out to Europe who then brought the message of the gospel here to us today. A lot of ways that glitter has traveled across millennia and continents and over oceans and through vast persecution. We're here today because that message cannot be stopped. It's a life in itself. This is our prophetic message that Jesus Christ is the glorious Savior and Redeemer of all people. That is our prophetic message when we begin to declare this a testimony, a witness about Jesus, not a product, a person, as we begin to do this at our our work, in our homes, in our streets, in our families, in our extended families, in our networks of, of relationships, this is what the gospel does. And even for us, who may be timid and weak and uneducated, and, and afraid, Jesus, through his power of his Spirit, can take what little that we have before the Lord and multiply it. Just like Peter. Man, six weeks ago, he couldn't even confess Jesus Christ to a servant girl. Here he is standing in front of thousands and nails them. Because the Holy Spirit's changed everything. Can we together this morning ask the Holy Spirit for the power of to proclaim this message of Jesus Christ. Can we this morning ask Jesus Christ for His Holy Spirit to fill us with that same power to declare who He is? And even in our weaknesses, God can take what we have and multiply His message out. Just like that glitter. Never going away. It's always going to be here. His message has power. So Lord Jesus, we... Come before you today as your people. Invite all of us to pray together. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us. God, fill us with your spirit. Give us that boldness, Lord. We don't want to sit on the sidelines and just, just spectate, God. We want to participate in all that you are doing. God, we know that you've got a purpose in everything. God, whether it's in persecution or in abundance, God, that you have a message to proclaim. You've got a mission for us to go on. And God, we surrender ourselves to you today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would empower us. God, we are weak. We are timid. God, we need your help. So please, Lord, use us. Fill us. Empower us. Strengthen us. All for your wonderful name. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen.